This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. Here is your host, Colin Wood. Today on the podcast, we are concluding our series of discussions on things we do at the beginning of our church year. The beginning of the calendar year, there there are certain things that we try and do every year, and today we're recording this on January 31st, and we're just finishing, we just finished yesterday, what we call 21 Days of Devotion. And Pastor, I, th- I thought as we finished that time that it might be helpful for you to explain um, what that looks like for f- folks that lead other churches, and then maybe there are some personal practices that we haven't covered yet that you could address that are helpful to you, that you've put into your your life, and that might be helpful to other leaders as well. Yeah, so the first idea, or the first time I, I really got this idea was back in seminary, 2005, the summer uh, before Katrina, I was the uh, pastoral assistant for David Platt, and uh, I had some guys who were at the seminary with me. We were praying and seeking the Lord together for a revival, and uh, a friend of mine, Rob Wilton, who's now a church planning uh, or church planning plaster and consultant, he's in Pittsburgh, and Rob and I with David Platt, we got together and we came up with this idea of fasting and praying for 21 days I'm sorry, praying with 21 people mm-hmm. for three months. Mm. So we actually decided three months. Now, these are seminary students and, you know, guys serving the Lord, seeking revival. So I get it. The, the, the expectation is probably a little higher in that regard. But we decided to, for 21 different guys, ask them to join us for three months in praying and fasting for revival. And I'm telling you, Colin, it was unbelievable. Nothing short of miraculous, just the things we were praying for and how God moved. It culminated uh, in Gulfport, uh, right outside of Gulfport, uh, Mississippi, at a retreat, and we had a bunch of different guys there. It was unbelievable. And right in the middle of retru- of the retreat, August 27th, I think it was, uh, or it was 26th, I think, 27th, we get tapped on the shoulder by one of our friends, and they said, hey, I just got a call from my wife. We need to evacuate the premises. There is a storm in the Gulf called Hurricane Katrina, and it's coming right for us. And so our entire culmination retreat gets broken up because of a storm in the Gulf, to which I kind of jokingly laughed to the guys, being from Louisiana, evacuated rarely all my life, ever, really. Uh, man, this thing will pass. <laughs> this is going to be... And, you know, so I go home and I tell Candy, who's already packed up and ready to roll, when I walked in the house. And I said, babe, what, what are you doing? She said, no, we're leaving. I said, we're not leaving. What are you talking about? We're not leaving. We don't ever leave for storms. We're from Chalmette, Louisiana. We don't leave. And she said, uh, no, we're leaving. And I said, babe, listen, put your stuff back. And, you know, sometimes your wife's voice and the Holy Spirit's voice sound very similar. <laughs> she looked at me sternly and said, we're leaving. I said, okay, I'll pack. So anyway, we packed and left, and little did we know, we packed everything we uh, we had in one suitcase. We had three pairs of, of clothes each. That's all we packed. We left all the books, the wedding presents, the car, everything, you name it, uh, thinking we'll be back in three days. But you took... The dog. We took the dog, Gracie. Gracie, Gracie Lou. Yeah, yeah, we Gracie. took Gracie. And uh, we drove to Baton Rouge. And um, uh, surprising as it was, we watched our entire hometown be destroyed uh, uh, on the news for the next week. But anyway, that was the first idea of, or the first exposure for me of the power 
of prayer and fasting. Mm. So I come to church and I start pastoring churches, and, and we did sporadic fasting and praying. But at Long Hollow, I realized there is a great potential of untapped resources in mm-hmm. the padded seats uh, of the churches of America of people waiting to be challenged to really press into God for more. And the way you do that is, as you know, fasting and prayer is one of the greatest mechanisms to do that. Why? Because there is a healthy dependence upon God. And so what we challenge our church to do at the beginning of the year, we've done this for a couple years now, it is a 21-day season of fasting and prayer. Now, some people will fast the whole 21 days, and we've heard miraculous stories and People have stopped me and said, man, it's changed my life. I've never fasted before in my life. Others will fast once a week. Uh, some will do creative uh, you know, portions of the day fasting. What I personally have done, and I'll just share with you, because of my uh, extensive medical history of pacemakers and high blood pressure and heart conditions and everything else that comes along with it. Did you say uh, high-maintenance medical history? Could be high-maintenance, yeah, probably. <laughs> uh I decided that, and my doctor actually affirmed, I cannot do extended fast because of the medication I'm on and different things. So what I decided to do is a truncated kind of a alter, altered version that I came up with. So here's what I've done. And I started this right after the revival of 2020 began. So last year in January, I decided I was going to fast once a week completely. The day I chose was Wednesday because that was our prayer night, or Tuesday, I'm sorry. Tuesday was our prayer night, so I fasted all day Tuesday, went into the prayer night fasting. Then I fasted every day after breakfast. I ate ate an early breakfast about 6.30, 7 o'clock at the latest, and then I would fast all day to about 3.30, or actually 4.30 or 5, and then I would eat. And so all day fasting, once a week completely. And so I did that all through the revival, and then... I decided to keep it. And so here we are now over a year later, and I just have lost the desire to eat. I just love spending time with the Lord. I'm committed to this fasting, and um, that's what I've done. So what I say that when I say that is you don't have to be so dogmatic about it and say, now, if you can fast completely from food and drink liquid, praise God, do that. But don't let that scare you if you say, ah, it's either all or nothing. So yeah. let me encourage you to do that. Now, why do we do it as a church? Because what we're trying to do is challenge our people to enter into a season of devotion with God, to seek more of God in a way they never have or haven't in a long time. And what we found is that when people do this, they are energized for months and months to come. And so that's why we kind of start the year off with the 21 days of fasting and prayer. What we've done in conjunction with that is we send out text messages to people that basically have insights of daily uh, truths or scriptures that coincide with the message series that I'm preaching, or just in general about revival. And I've had so many people, and we have it set up. I don't know the technical way we do that. Collins and his team are way smarter than me in that. But we have a system set up through, I don't know, what is it, Collins? Rock or something that sends out a daily text, or you got different ways to do it. And every day you wake up, what you do is you get a text, And the text basically says, hey, today focus on empowerment, today focus on sin, today focus on this. And man, people have stopped me and said life-changing for them through this 21 days. So Mm -hmm. you don't have to do that, but you can do something to set the tone. Another thing we do at the beginning of the year is we challenge our people to read the Bible uh, in a year. 
We have three different plans that replicate that Candy and I have created through the years. One is an Old and New Testament. One is just a New Testament. One is just an Old Testament that came out last year. And or you can do your own plan. Um, you know, I tell people what's the best plan for reading the Bible? The one you use. Okay, so find a plan. And we realize that more people are likely to read the Bible at the beginning of the year yeah. than they are later in the year. And so just getting the ball roll, rolling early is very beneficial. So I would say it's not too late. You know, we're in February now. I would say if you haven't started, start. Challenge your people. And, and listen, Pastor Leader, uh, you can't expect your people to do something that you're not emulating yourself. Hmm. If you're not reading the Bible, how can you expect daily? And I'm not talking about legalistic here, but if you're not cultivating an environment to read the word, then you're not, how can you expect your people to do it? If you're not getting away for prayer and seeking God, how can you expect your people to do it? If you're not discipling your children or investing in your kids, then how can you stand up and expect your people to do it? So don't expect from others what you're not emulating yourself. Mm, that's so good. After the break, I want us to talk about uh, maybe some personal practices that you that you do. Something that me as a leader, I could adopt or evaluate, and would help me as well. So after the break, Pastor, if we can talk a shift from talking about how we lead our people to do some practices to what are some things that you personally do as a leader. Are you struggling with the fatigue of ministry post COVID? Have you experienced some fruit but hit a plateau in your life or even your church? Could you benefit from a group of like-minded leaders who can help you achieve your God-given potential? Being a church leader is more challenging today than it has ever been, and the pandemic hasn't made it any easier to lead. We now have a whole new set of problems to deal with as church leaders that will require new solutions. With this in mind, we developed the Replicate Collective. This is a close-knit group of church leaders who want to help you and your church unleash your God-given potential. Members of the collective will interact with premier church leaders, men like Will Mancini, David Platt, Pete Scazzaro, and many others. Members of the collective create catalytic clarity for their church and personal lives. They participate in weekly huddles with like-minded church leaders, and you'll get personal coaching from me and the Replicate team. If you're interested in applying to join the collective or simply want to find out more, head over to replicatecollective.com, replicatecollective.com. We have limited spots, so you want to check it out today. We're back and we're talking about in our last conversation of how we start our year, some best practices. Um, what are some things we do as leaders with our congregation? And then what are some things that we do personally? Pastor, you, you talked about 21 days of devotion. And one of the things that came to my mind, we, we talk about uh, behind the scenes is it's really a sneaky way to try and get people to do spiritual disciplines or to even be mm -hmm. in D groups. Because yes. we set a short time frame, uh, yeah. and we don't say, hey, for the next year, 365 days of devotion, no, that's good, yeah. which just overwhelm people. But we say, hey, journey with us for 21 days. It's three weeks. And usually, and the reason we do that is because it takes a week at uh, the beginning of January to get people in the mindset of, okay, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm ready to get going. But then our hope is that after they see the benefits of establishing this these daily rhythms 
of being in God's word, of praying, of of uh, having a high accountability with other believers, that it will just be something that they continue to adopt. And we say, as goal setting staff members, that hey, even if you don't hit the goal, like let's say they don't do twenty one solid days of devotion, but they do fifteen days of devotion. Without setting the goal of 21 days, they might have never even done 15. Or, or any, yeah. And, and so that's better than not yeah. doing any. But uh, let's transition and talk about what what are some things, are there things that you do personally every year that you just evaluate in your own leadership that might be helpful to the rest of us? Yeah, so I've done this for a couple of years now, and toward the end of the year, again, beginning of the year as well, uh, I sit down with my team or my wife, and we start to ask these three questions about everything we're doing on our schedule. And I'm telling you, if you get nothing else today, this is going to be helpful for you personally and practically, professionally, ministerially. Okay, We ask everything on the calendar, every task I do, every meeting I'm in, every person I count, I mean, everything is asked these three questions. And the first question is then, is this, can I eliminate it? Okay, hmm. Here are the three questions. Can I eliminate it? Can I automate it? Can I um, eliminate it, automate it, and delegate it? Delegate. That's a good one to delegate. You would think discipleship, we would know that one first, but eliminate, <laughs> automate, delegate. Okay. So the first one is, can I eliminate this in my life? Now, what are you asking? You're asking this question. Number one is, am I the best person that this person who comes to me, or am I the best person to help them with this situation, okay? Um, is there someone who can engage and perform this task better than me? And so eliminating it in my life, um, and, and obviously it may be something that I don't know, uh, and obviously some of these bleed over to delegate as well, but you're asking, is this something I have to do? That's a good question. And, and one of the questions, I'll give you a perfect example. So when I first came to Long Hollow, um, I was traveling outside of the church a large number of times and thought, man, I need to be traveling and promoting discipleship and sharing the message. And I think the first year I was here, I think I spoke 26 times outside of the church in addition to the four sermons on Sunday and Wednesday night. I still don't even know how I did it. Uh, literally almost burnt myself out. And I got to a place uh, for a few years ago where I didn't need to do that anymore. You know, mm -hmm. like God's called me to, pa my, my, my plan A in life is to pastor Long Hollow. That's Lanyap, as we say in South Louis. I, that's an addition to, I don't have to do that, right? I, my, my, my passion, my, my, my goal is to pastor and shepherd the people of Long Hollow. And so that's something I eliminated. 99% of the invitations to preach, and Robert's sitting here, he'll tell you, we say no to. And it's not because they're not good events or great events and, man, great opportunity. I mean, investing in pastors and speaking to different. It's because, here's what I've learned. When I say yes to one thing, I'm saying no to five or 10 other things. Mm. Okay, I'm saying no to candy. I'm saying no to my kids. I'm saying no to my church. I'm saying no to my health. I'm saying no to my rest. I'm saying no to my Sabbath. I mean, you, the list goes on. So what you're asking is, can I eliminate this practice in my life? And here's a better question too. Is this assisting me in the goals I've set for the year? You know, I'm setting a goal to be more clear in my approach. I'm setting a goal to be more efficient in my 
uh, life. I'm setting a goal to be more healthy. Is this assisting in my life? And if it's not, is it an important task I have to do? No. Is it assisting in the goals? No. Then you move on to the next one. Then can I automate this? Okay. So I was thinking cutting the grass. Ooh. So, so practical. So I can filter that through these things. Okay, so I, I, yes. can I eliminate it? I've got to figure that out. Yes, okay. okay. Let's ask it. Can you eliminate cutting the grass? Answer is uh, no. No, you got to cut the grass. Okay. I mean, <laughs> someone does. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. The grass has to be cut. Yes. So it cannot be eliminated. Okay, can't be eliminated. So the next question is, can I automate it? Hmm. I mean, in our world today, maybe. Well, well I've seen those answer. robots. No, I've had the answer right now. I've got the Lowe's Husqvarna. Uh, 1115 Husk, 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 yeah. is the German version. This is the Husqvarna. <laughs> the Husqvarna, whatever that. You can see I know I know all about Husqvarna auto mowers. Best-selling robotic mower on the planet. So, so you possibly, could automate. Possibly. You could automate. You could buy this $1,500 mower that could cut your grass. What or, are some things you, you automate? Okay, so automate. I would automate like for okay. So if you're into social media posting, mm-hmm. uh, which for in the revival, uh, I made a commitment not to look at social media, but I post it all the time. Yeah, how how did you do that? Okay, so what I did was I automated it. So I would sit with the Lord every every day, and I would read books and I get ideas. And and as the ideas would come or the Lord give me a word, I would go to Hootsuite. Buffer, one of those programs, and I would load the tweet in or load the post in, and then I would schedule it out for a day or a month. Hmm. So that's what I would do. And so it looked like, I mean, I'd say it looked like, and I'm not the only one who does it, it looked like I was posting every day, when in reality, it was just the overflow of God speaking to me, and I was automating the post. Uh, another way to automate something would be to, uh, when you go out of town, you're automating mm. your emails yeah. or you're responding in a certain way. Uh, automating is, can I set a system up whereby no human involvement is needed mm. in order to carry out this process? So probably not counseling. Counseling is probably not going to be- You not automate the <laughs> you, counseling. You telecounseling, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, is it possible? So you ask your qu- ask question, is it possible to automate the process? Mm. Okay. And- this is my favorite one, by the way. Automate, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm sure with technology today and apps and things like that, you can automate a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, you could automate your alarm in the morning to wake you up. If you get up at the same time, you can go to your iPhone. It's a simple one. And you can set Monday through Friday, 6 o'clock, wake me up. And you don't think about it. It's automated. You can automate your lights so that you your don't lights. even have to turn the light switch You can on. automate your heat. With Nest. I mean, you can automate a lot of things. So, you, so we do this all day in the home, but you start asking this about your personal life, your professional life, yeah. and your ministry life. Okay, the final one is if you can't eliminate it and okay. you can't automate it, okay. i.e. lawn care and counseling, Yes. then you get to delegate. Oh, is this your favorite one? Delegate's my favorite <laughs> one. <laughs> Are you saying that for a reason? As the recipient yes. of most delegations. Yeah. Colin is the yeah, Colin is the cul-de-sac of my delegation. So everything goes in into Colin's cul-de-sac. I, I delegate as well. You do, yeah, you gotta be hey, listen, everybody's delegating something. I mean we're all delegating be. something. Okay, so how do you determine okay. if it's something to delegate? Okay. Is it possible to quote subcontract this work out to be done? <laughs> that now, sounds terrible. Yeah, it sounds terrible. Can someone else do the same kind of work? As good or better than me. Or in the case of 
Okay, so in our two examples. Okay, let's go back to this. Grass cutting and counseling. Yeah. Grass cutting, I can delegate to my 16-year-old son. Yes. It won't be as good as me or better than me, but it still can be delegated and should be delegated. Will it be sufficient? It will be good enough. Good enough. There we go. But with counseling, you probably don't just want to be, ah, it's good enough. Yeah, no, definitely not. But the reason you might delegate is because someone is as good or probably better. Better, better in our it. case. Yeah, you and I, we've admitted we are not the best at counseling. I, I just, I am learning. God is making me more empathetic. Yep. And so someone who's not empathetic is not a great counselor because mm-hmm. you just want to say, just suck it I up. I know, I know. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm it's a your bad Enneagram counselor. probably and the way you're wired yes. like me. Yeah, it's I'm not, a bad yeah, I'm not counselor. Good, I'm not good at mercy. Either. But, but here's the thing. The, the reality uh, is this. You realize that there are limits to your life, yeah. and that is maturity. Yeah. See, the, the pastor or leader who's out there who feels like, no, I can do everything. I, mm-hmm. I'm a good counselor. I'm a good preacher. I'm a good finance guy. I'm a good this. I'm a good leader. I'm a, the guy who says he's good at everything really is not good at many things because mm-hmm. you can't be good at a few things if you're, you can't be great at a few things if you're good at a lot of things. Let me give you an example why this is important. Uh, this is important and we'll close. Jim Collins uh, refers to something in his book called the flywheel principle. Do you remember this principle in good to great? You probably remember it, but I don't know if you know When it you say well. it, I'll probably remember okay. it. Okay, so the flywheel principle is basically this enormous flywheel. It's a big metal disc that is attached to, a, to an axis, okay? okay? It's 30 feet in diameter. It's basically two feet thick, and it's 5,000 pounds. A flywheel. This is an enormous piece of metal. Now, the way it works is it's on an axle, okay? To get the flywheel going, it's huge. To get the flywheel going, it takes a long time. In fact, just to make it one time around in a rotation would take you hours. I mean, just take an hour, you know, hours. Just trying to push this big thing, and you start pushing it, and it takes a while, and you keep pushing it. And then after a while, to get this thing turning, you know, you get one revolution, and then you get two revolutions, and then you get three. And then all of a sudden, after – now, every time it makes a revolution, the time it took to go from two to three is half the time it took to go from zero to one. Mm. And the time it takes to go from five to ten is half the time. And then you get this thing going, and all of a sudden, it's spinning. Mm. And once you get the flywheel spinning, which took hours to get moving, now only ha- you only have to keep it moving with just the flick of a finger, hmm. barely. I mean, you just have to touch it, yeah. and it goes, okay? So the flywheel principle is this. It takes a lot of work on the front end to get something going, to take the time to ask, is it eliminatable? Is it automate? Or is, can I automate it? Can I delegate it? But once you set up these systems and processes in your life, then on the back end, you reap the benefits of the flywheel. Hmm. And that is a system that is turning literally independent of your involvement. Hmm. And so that's why, let me just encourage you, take the time, spend the effort, and put together a system. Ask some tough questions, and you'll reap the benefits afterward. Hmm. You know, Pastor, sometimes I ask myself, do we do this podcast for other people or just for us? Because I learned and get so much out of just our conversations. It's like we just turn mics on and let 
other people sit in on the conversation. I love the diversity of our discussions. Like we'll talk about theology and it was Jesus an Essene, and we'll talk about should we delegate grass cutting. So I love I Which love is the diversity for those who don't like to cut grass like me. <laughs> I love the diversity in our conversation. Uh, I hope that you guys are finding uh, the conversations helpful as well. Um, why don't you try? Analyze your task. Analyze your calendar. Look at your schedule with your spouse, with your assistant, maybe with your pastoral leadership team, and say, hey, what are some things that you can help me identify that I can automate, that I can eliminate, that I can delegate? And then what are the things that... Only I can do, and they can't be automated or eliminated or delegated. Hey, if you're finding this podcast helpful, you can always like it on whatever platform you uh, listen to it on. It will help more people find us and share the podcast with someone else that you think would enjoy it or find it helpful. Y'all have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast. You can receive more free resources to help you make disciples in your home, group, or church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at replicate.org.